0: Hello, this is Dr. Chris Damon, and today we'll be mapping resistance starch on the 15-minute matrix.
1: Welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix special nutrition therapy series, where we're going to dive into the approaches, practices, dietary theories, and healing foods that have been used in the most successful practices across the globe and throughout history. I'm Andrea Nakayama, Functional Medicine Nutritionist, and your host. The 15-Minute Matrix is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons which highlight the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition, and that's the Functional Matrix. The Functional Nutrition Matrix reminds us of three very important factors in our clinical care. Everything is connected. We are all unique. And all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Chris Damon. Dr. Chris Damon is a gastroenterologist with passion for evidence-based approaches to food and gut microbe interventions in the promotion of health and the treatment of disease. He has experience across the private, academic, and philanthropic spaces providing unique perspectives for enabling multi-directional lessons of sustainable business models, field advancing research programs, and impact realizing compassionate solutions. Hello, Dr. Damon. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix.
0: Hi, Andrea. It's a pleasure to join. Thanks so much for having me.
1: You bet. You know, I love this topic. I love talking about foods that feed the microbiome, and resistant starches are a fun one to talk about. Can you start us out by defining what a resistant starch is?
0: Absolutely. And I'll say we're kindred spirits. You know, my kids will tell you first thing that I love talking about the gut, and I'm one of the few parents that will have potty talk at the dinner table. Totally. I'm right (laughs) there with you. Although my
1: little is 21 now, so he's been living with (laughs) it for a long time.
0: (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. So
1: resistant starch,
0: it's interesting. You think starch and you think, oh, I shouldn't have that. So white substance might contribute to metabolic disease. Resistant starch, as its name implies, is not digested by human enzymes. And it actually makes its way down to the lower part of the small intestine, the large intestine, where the native microbes in our microbiome and our gut microbiome actually enjoy the leftovers that are present in the food stream and do wonderful things for us.
1: Yeah, they do do wonderful things. And I'm wondering if you can help us, before we even understand what they do, just how does that work, that certain substances basically resist digestion or absorption, really?
0: Yeah, it's actually a little bit of both. So resistant starch, there's different types, RS1, 2, 3, and 4. And the type depends on both its sort of composition, but also, you know, whether a food has been cooked and cooled or not, which will contribute to more resistant starch in, say, a potato or rice. But the reason that they're not digested is our natural enzymes, the sort of amylases, right, that are produced by our gut and injected into the small intestine, just don't have the capacity or access to these starches that are more tightly wound up and otherwise inaccessible. Microbes, on the other hand, have evolved strategies to make use of the leftovers that we can't make use of. And they produce you know, a number of things like butyrate, for example, one of the short chain fatty acids that's incredibly important in regulating appetite, our metabolic health, and actually our immune health as well.
1: It's so cool that the microbes function differently with inside our bodies than we function with or without them. Like It's just such a cool thing to think about the differences in terms of how the body functions.
0: Absolutely. I've spent my career studying these, as Anton van Leeuwenhoek said, who invented the microscope, we little beasties. I think they're fascinating.
1: They are fascinating. So you hinted at some of the benefits of consuming resistant starches. Can you kind of take us to the center part of the matrix and talk about some of those benefits that you found in your research?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so I think front and center is the benefit to metabolic health. And there's been a lot of research on resistant starch in all of its various forms, uh, you know, from potatoes or from green bananas, and even from maize, high amylose maize. And what has been shown is a pretty profound impact on metabolic health. And how does this work? Well, resistant starch in the lower part of the small intestine and the large intestine is converted to the short chain fatty acid butyrate. Butyrate, we know, is a fuel for the lining of the colon, the colon cells. What may be a little less known is the colon cells, when they see butyrate, start producing a molecule called GLP-1, a hormone. Now GLP-1, any physician will know is actually, there are synthetic analogs that are used for treating diabetes. And the FDA just accepted the first indication for a drug for obesity in over a decade, and that's actually a GLP-1 analog. So what resistance starch is doing is capitalizing on the body's natural way of making glp1 glp1 goes on to do a number of things it's a master regulator of metabolic health as well as appetite so it actually goes up to the brain uh, regulates how hungry we are goes to the stomach and tells the stomach to slow down and the small intestine to slow down because We need time for the microbes to digest this resistance starch and continue producing all these wonderful things, butyrate, B vitamins, neurotransmitter precursors, et cetera.
1: And does that slowed down process impact insulin sensitivity directly or blood sugar management?
0: So there are some indirect effects there for sure, because when things are slowed down, it impacts how that sugar is absorbed. But there's also direct effects of GLP-1 on the pancreas, on the muscles, on the liver, on the fat cells. And it basically tells the pancreas to increase insulin, decrease glucagon, and actually it's protective of the beta cells in the pancreas. So overall, protective of the pathology of diabetes.
1: So when we think about inflammatory bowel syndromes and diseases, is... The resistance search—something you would utilize in treatment and care, or selectively utilize?
0: You know, as we know, IBS or irritable bowel syndrome and IBD or inflammatory bowel disease are very different entities. You know, one, the IBD is uh, something that you can actually see visually or under a microscope uh, when you do a colonoscopy, whereas irritable bowel syndrome is something that's like diagnosed by symptoms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, diagnosis of exclusion. Uh, umbrella is a great way of putting it. So, the question is can you use resistance starch to treat IBD or IBS? In terms of IBS, I will say hot off the press and work with Monash University in Australia, who identified, they're the first to identify and actually deeply study the low FODMAP diet. So, these are fibers that are known to exacerbate IBS. Turns out that resistant starch is actually a low FODMAP. It's not one of the fibers that contributes to the bloating and to increased bowel movements associated with FODMAP. So that's wonderful news for those that suffer from IBS because they can actually enjoy this fiber and you know benefit from all of the health aspects of it. So in terms of IBS, I think it could be a really nice complement to the diet, whether or not it can treat IBS, that's a different matter. That's something that, you know, needs more research.
1: Totally. And mostly looking for the adjunct support more than the treatment. Yeah, that makes sense. What about the pH in the colon? Does the resistant starch shift that in any way?
0: It does. And, And before we move on to pH, just, you know, in terms of IBD, there have been a few studies that have looked not at resistant starch so much, but at the end product of butyrate and giving that by enema or by oral pill. And and there is some interesting data there in IBD, but by the transitive property, a little bit removed from resistant starch at this point. In terms of the pH of the colon, yes, there is a shift. Short-chain fatty acids, which butyrate is one, uh, is an acid. And so the pH does go down with resistant starch consumption.
1: And that, in turn, can support the reduction of inflammation. Is that right?
0: Yes, so possibly. So, you know, some pHs, some bugs grow very well at, and some pHs, you know, other bugs don't grow well at. So there could be that sort of pH modulator of enteropathogens or so-called pathobionts, which, you know, in some situations where they're ugly head as pathogens, in other cases, they're just commensals.
1: Yeah. Good point. Okay. So let's go to the fun stuff. You mentioned potatoes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you mentioned green bananas. What else are we thinking about when we think of resistant starches? I have some of my favorites, but I want to hear from you.
0: <laughs> well, as it turns out, you know, a lot of starches can be resistant starches if you kind of cook and cool them, but the amount of resistant starch there is relatively low. And and you highlight two of the main foods that contain resistant starch too, which is sort of the native form, and green bananas is one, potatoes is another, you know, high maize uh, corn is one, beans also have some resistant starch the amounts that you find in these foods is actually not high. And the foods also have the sort of standard carbs. So folks that are really watching their carbohydrate intake, especially those that have diabetes or, you know, pre-diabetes or insulin resistance, if you could provide resistant starch in sort of an isolated form without the accessible carbs, that actually could be a huge win.
1: Nice. Yeah. So when we think about these, cooked and cooled. Well, green bananas, are we cooking and cooling them too? (laughs) (laughs) No. So,
0: yeah. So, so green bananas have one of the forms of resistant starch that's just native, independent of whether you cook and cool it. Got it.
1: And I'm a lover of green plantains. So that's my favorite.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Green, Green plantains also are a great source of resistant starch for sure.
1: And what's happening in that cooling process that shifts the makeup of the starch?
0: there's physiochemical properties of starch. And when you cook and cool something, that starch turns more into a gel and gel is more impervious to the enzymes that like to break the starch down.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, I love it. And I love thinking how we can really all add this into our diet. So in terms of adding it and in terms of really giving advice to clinicians of how they would use it. Do we need to start low and go slow? Are people going to have a response to initially introducing these resistant starches?
0: So I'll tell you, everyone is different. And it is possible that some people do need to start low and go slow. And I think that's a good strategy to take. And that's actually what I often recommend to people that are taking resistance starch. That said, as far as fibers go, resistant starch is a low FODMAP, you know, unlike say inulin, which is rapidly digested and digests in the upper intestine. So the amount of GI side effects is less. You can still have some bloating, and that bloating actually equilibrates and gets better with time as the microbial community equilibrates to essentially using that additional gas as a substrate for its own food.
1: If you could Tell us something about resistant starch that you found, you know, geekily cool (laughs) along the way that you just were like, whoa, this is such a good fact. What would that be?
0: There is something that we we learn in GI fellowship called the ileocolonic break. And it's basically our guts and nature's way of telling the whole GI system when to slow down. And it's really dependent on a sensing mechanism of whether nutrients are flowing through too fast. And resistant starch is one of the major signals to the ileoclonic break that it's time to slow down. And I alluded to the GLP-1 that you know circles back to the stomach and increases gastric emptying time. But this sort of profound feedback mechanism and circuit is, I think, really underappreciated, especially in obesity and weight loss and just how important it is to stimulate this feedback circuit and how adding something to the diet in the form of resistance starch, as opposed to taking things away, which will only increase hunger, what a profound strategy that can be for weight loss and for control of diabetes.
1: I love that. I love how we can bring something in to shift the terrain instead of so much of what we do, which is the removal stage, but we can do both repair and replace with the resistant starch.
0: You got it. Yep, right on.
1: Love it. Is there anything else you wish we all knew about resistant starch that maybe we're getting wrong or we're just not getting at all? Uh, I guess the
0: other bit is for so long, public health messaging for the last several decades has been saying eat more fruits and vegetables, eat less fat, eat less sugar, eat less salt. And, you know, even highlighting the value of things like the Mediterranean diet, for which there's been a lot of research that this is actually a good diet to be on. And yet, despite this public health messaging, the obesity epidemic and the metabolic disease at large is only getting worse. And so I wonder, it's my hypothesis that we need to do something different, right? We should continue the public health messaging, you know, additional labeling around fiber on cereal boxes, for example, and things like this, I think could go a long way. But I think there's a place for developing foods that really deliver on these functional ingredients and that are accessible and enjoyable and familiar. We have maligned processed foods and perhaps rightfully so because they're associated with disease outcomes, but I don't think categorically processed foods are bad. I think we're just missing something. And I think one of those key things is actually fiber and you know more specifically resistant starch. I think if if we can think about what to add back like resistant starch to these functional processed foods, I think we can really make a dent on this epidemic. I am a firm believer in that.
1: I would have to agree on the fiber front. I think that that is the thing we probably are missing the most and that could make the most change. Really great talking to you, Dr. Damon. So much fun to explore this with you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom.
0: What a pleasure.
1: The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's one5minitematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review, and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our full body systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your client's issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.